Hi everyone and welcome to today's episode of the In The Oven Show. Today I'm going to be talking to Mike Keller from Trend & Bit Service. He's been in outside sales um, for a while and started in upstream oil and gas um, for about 20 years I think he's been doing that. We'll dive into some of that um, but he's been with Trend & Bit Service for about 16 years and he's now the president. Uh, so hi Mike, how you doing? Good Dan, thanks for having me. How are things? They're getting better. They were not so good but they're finally getting better. Picking up, yeah. yeah. I like to kick off these shows with a bit of an idea about Mike Keller outside work before we, because it's going to be a lot of businessy stuff. So I wondered what kept you going outside of work. Uh, a lot of activities with the kids, do a lot of coaching with my son, uh, a lot of golf, and just family. The family keeps me more than busy. So what kind of coaching is it? Hockey or something? It is. It's hockey. Yeah, he's bantam this year. So as much as I can coach him and he'll accept it, I'll keep doing it. <laughs> So is that quite stressful, doing that? Uh, yes. <laughs> What's the career journey been like? How did you start off and how did you end up in drill bits? Um, I started off in banking when I got out of school. After that, it was a journey through that to find out how banking actually worked from what you know about. And then it was just uh, salesmanship. So being a salesman at the bank to selling different products, working with a company from Toronto, and then meeting someone in the oil and gas industry, of course. It seems to be a, you meet someone, you know someone, mm -hmm. and offered me a position as an outside salesperson and knew nothing about drilling. Um, decided to take it up. He hired me and here we are now. Was it, were you in Alberta the whole time? Alberta? Yeah. Yes, the whole time, yes. And Calgary specifically? Calgary specifically, yes. I'm not from here. I was born in Whitehorse, Yukon, but I've been here the whole time with the company. So when you're like transitioning from banking to drill bits, like what, what made that appeal to you? I guess the outside sales part was really what I wanted to do, which is I think why most people wanted to get in, into oil and gas. It's the getting out, meeting people, being able to do activities, get out some golf, mm -hmm. do a bond spiel, just do things outside the office, be a little more open. Why did becoming a president appeal to you? I really like the finance side. I like to know what the company's doing, how it's running, uh, more than just the sales process, what it takes, margins, profit, that type of thing is very appealing. And you're a numbers guy probably then? Yeah. Well enough. Numbers are really important? Ah, uh, they are very important. <laughs> well, if you don't have good numbers, you don't have a good business, do you? So exactly. If you don't have no numbers, you don't have anything. A focus on numbers, is that a good thing? Do you think that's helped? Yeah, I think it has helped. I don't. I think if you don't understand finance or on a balance sheet or how to read financials, I think you're going to be in a lot of trouble in a business. I think that's the path you want to get to. You can understand sales. You can understand how much you sell something for. But if you don't understand profits and what the company really needs to keep going, I think yeah, it's it's going to be detrimental to you. It's easy to get carried away, especially as a, you know a business owner to think, oh, we got to get money in the door and stuff like that, but actually making sure that everything else ticks along and works. Correct. So we haven't really talked about Trendon yet. So for people that don't know what Trendon is, how did it kind of come about and what's the story there? It started in Medicine Hat, specifically Redcliffe, so just west of it. It was um, owned by a family. Uh, it transitioned from the family to where we are now. So it was purchased off them, it was moved to Calgary, um, not Medicine Hat, recentered, and the focus was changed. So it was more of a mom and pop run company. 
drilling was very vibrant, prices were high, work was e easier to get, lots of rigs running. Transitioning to Calgary was a little different, coming to the hub of oil and gas, getting to meet the actual players in the game, the engineers, the consultants, uh, geos, that type of thing. It was good for our expansion and it got us to where we are now. So it gave us the ability to start designing bits, engineering a little bit more and understanding the industry by far. And then was it always drill bits the, that you intended on getting to selling? Was that the core of the business? It actually started only as steel body drill bits and now we've moved to matrix bodies. We have some tools, reamers, under reamers, eccentric reamers. We have a shock tool. So we're, we're branching out to serve more of the industry and not just drill bits. And so for people that don't know, when we say things like drill bits, I mean, we've known each other for a bit now and I know what you're talking yeah. about, but how does that, you know, we're not talking about household drill bits, DIY drill bits, that, that what's different between the two? Well, there's two specifically types that people know of. A tricone with the three cones on it was invented by Howard Hughes's father, of course. It was a two cone, it's moved to a three cone. So that was originally how it worked. Now we've moved to the PDC, which is, man-made diamonds put onto a carbon backing and it turns to the right. Instead of crushing rock, it shaves or shears rock. Mm -hmm. So it's a different process. It drills the well differently and I think more than 80% of the market probably is the PDC drill bit now. Mm -hmm. It's changed a lot. I bet. Like, cause I remember seeing those tricone things that, you know, spin yeah. and they look like, almost like an evil monster <laughs> or something. Like, and then PDCs look a lot, you know, more formed and designed. Yeah. I don't know, the other ones just look like they were just, let's just stick it in the ground and see how we go. Stick on. it in the ground and smash it. This is more like a shaver on your face. You're less weight. Uh, you should get better drilling out of it depending on where you're drilling, but it drills completely different with different parameters. Another different drill bits for different types of drilling. I imagine you're predominantly oil and gas, but you must do it in other realms as well. Uh, they use the PDC quite a bit and the tooth bit quite a bit. Uh, TCIs are another one, um, they're with carbon inserts on it, they're a little bit tougher, but most of the drilling you see is these type of bits, whether it's the helium now, the geothermal, it's just going to be dependent on pressures and depths, what type. Um, there are different blade amounts, different cutter sizes, and different uh, size types, but they're very predominant in all the markets. And what specifically happens in, you know, the Alberta regions or where you typically drill, is it different to other parts of the world? and? It's pretty close. The sizes are about the only difference. Um, types are very much the same. Here we drill with five from five blade, or I guess a four blade, five blade, six blade, seven blade. I've seen eight blades from small bit sizes of outside diameter to large. So I don't think there's any real difference. It's just the size types and types of bits in different markets for the types of wells they drill. What kind of dictates the number of blades or the size of a bit? Normally. Uh, number of blades, the hardness of drilling, types of cutters, if they're abrasive. Again, if, if it's temperature, the depth you're going to, the type of formations you're going through, the geology, mm -hmm. it's a very it's a vast amount of parameters in order to decide what you need. There is a little bit of misconception, I guess, around or you know, sometimes bad press around oil and gas industry <laughs> and stuff like that, and you're laughing already, but like, <laughs> What are some of the misconceptions of the drilling industry that, that you would say to someone that kind of calls you out on something weird? Well, for here, I would think a big misconception is that it's free to get out of the ground or almost free and it pours out of the ground. I don't think the general public understands the cost put into it and the margins made out of it. Other parts of the world, oil flows more freely, higher amounts. So yes, the, the net back, the payback is quicker. 
Canada, oil doesn't flow out of the ground naturally. It has to be brought up artificially. So there's a lot more cost involved, weather, types of rigs, where you are drilling, that type of thing. It's, it's very different in North America, Canada specifically. Okay. And does it vary much across Canada? Or? Uh, yeah, it does. It, if you go farther north, of course, costs will drive up, uh, land base, where you're drilling, that type of depth you're drilling to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, it's really dependent on the types of services, who you have out there, depth of well, and basically the number of days on the well. Yeah. And where do you tend to specifically service or provide your products to? We service from southeast Saskatchewan all the way up to Fort St. John, BC and further. So we're all across the western sedimentary basin where you can drill. Right, okay. But mainly in Canada. Right, okay. But the western basin, is that just a big, massive catch-all of... Yeah, it's basically BC over to Manitoba is basically the main drilling. Prairies-ish then, okay. So what influences the kind of drill bit selection for that variety of things? Are there, are there a few variables that you typically come across? Ge- yeah, geology, what you're drilling through, the hardness of what you're drilling through, um, what's be- interbedded in the formations. It's just the strength of what you're going through mostly is what's going to dictate the most. Sometimes if it's too easy to drill, people have the misconception that it's easy. You can also have problems there. but. It's usually the depth, the temperature, the pressure you're going to. The farther you go down, cutters have to hold up to withstand that type of drilling. You want to drill as far as you can, if not make it all the way down so you don't have to keep changing the bits out. Right, okay, because that's time consuming. Time consuming is correct. So when things spin a bit too freely, what, what, what can happen? Oh, a lot of problems can happen to the drill bit. Um, vibration up the drill string, of course. Anything time the bit's not on bottom and moving around a lot. You can get stick slip or reactive torque where the bit actually turns the opposite way than it's supposed to. You'll damage the cutters, you'll damage the drill string, you can damage the top drive. Mm-hmm. You can really destroy the bit and destroy your drilling and what's happening. So it's the more you can keep steady drilling, I guess would be the easiest way to say it. Mm-hmm. On bottom, planted and keep going would be the best and most optimum. What, what varies the cost of a drill bit? Like, I have no idea how much they typically cost and you don't have to go into that obviously, but like just, you know, what, what varies it? Like, is it because it's bigger, it costs more? Does it, because it has better drilling performance, it costs more? Like, what typically? Type of bit, I guess, so steel, depending on what type of steel you use. Matrix drill bits are generally a little bit more because of the type of process. But mainly the cost is dependent on the cutters of what you put in, mm-hmm. the type of bit size, of course. And the parameters really shouldn't be that different. It's mainly those. The cutters are as expensive as... 300 or more dollars, add them up, do the math, multiples, it's gonna cost a lot of money. And then if it's a big 20 inch bit, it's gonna cost a lot of money. If it's smaller bit, it changes. Was there a memorable occasion or does it happen a lot where you kind of exceed your own expectations? Cause you know, you must promise to the client we'll do this and this timeline and it's happened like this before, but is there any way you've gone, oh wow, that was pretty good that. Like- We've had our record runs. We've had our best possible bits in the ground. We've done what we can do. It's always a personal record or you're trying to beat the other company. But I guess the best performance is when your client's the most happy, what they expect out of the bit. We can really tell them whatever we think before the bit goes in the ground. But if I drill a hole five feet away from the hole I'm drilling now, it's completely different geology. So you're not going to get a lot of consistency that way. You hope for it. But if the bit comes back unscathed, that's a big win, of course, Mm -hmm. for us. Um, And if the customer's happy, that's the best. Their expectations are met. 
If we exceed them, of course, always excellent. Yeah, it must be nice getting that feeling <laughs> when, especially the clients happy and like, how, how has the drill bit industry been affected during the pandemic? As I know you hinted at it right at the start of the conversation, but specifically like, how was that? That must have been quite rough. Well, I think the whole industry was decimated for probably about the last six or seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, oil and gas became the whipping boy. It's been very difficult. So it would be across all services. Nobody was spending money. Mm-hmm. Um, the price of oil had dropped near nothing. Nobody was investing in companies. So it was very difficult um, to pay the bills and stay cash flow positive and still try to gain work and find out when work is going on. So incredibly difficult, probably the most difficult I've seen it through all the ups and downs throughout the history. Right. You can't really ignore like the price of gas at the moment is an oil, you know, kind of leading off each other. Like, is that reflected in the industry? Like, because you always assume like, oh, the price is like really good as a consumer. Yeah. But how is that on the ground in the industry getting the product out? Well, of course, the higher that uh, a barrel of oil goes, usually the more aggressive people are of drilling. So mm-hmm. if it's $100, you're going to maintain higher profit, of course. If gas is $8, same type of thing. Um, we've got into kind of a conundrum where people don't want to spend money as much anymore. So the industry has lost a lot of capital. I believe it's in the trillions of dollars and nobody's willing to put it in as quick as possible. So. They want to see the market come back. They want to take the time before they make the big investments, but we're starting to see it now. So this will be a decent year, I believe. It'll be good for a lot of people. It'll bring us back to more normalcy. I think going forward, we're going to see 23, 24, 25 be banner years if oil stays where it is. Mm -hmm. If the demand is still there, of course, we'll see people put more money into it. If the investors start coming back, we'll again see more money put into it. But... We don't know, we don't have a crystal ball, so it'll be very interesting to see if we can maintain what we have mm-hmm. and not see the ebbs and flows, which we're used to. So when you talked about investors like coming back, is there a period where they all, well, they left, or what, what happened there? I, 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 won't, no, I don't know exactly, but what I will say is, yes, I, I believe people got to the point where they were about to wipe oil and gas out. It wasn't needed anymore. There was no need for it at all. So I, yeah, I would say probably when we saw an oil two years ago drop into the negatives, mm-hmm. I think we saw the real conundrum there. Nobody was buying oil. There was a lot of produced oil. And it was very curious to see what we were going to do at that point. Two years later, we're at a totally different point. So where do we go? I really don't know. I, I hope this is a super cycle and people understand that there is a place for oil and gas. I hope that we become more understanding the environment and play a part in it, which we are. But I don't think we can survive without oil and gas in mm-hmm. this world. I just don't think it's possible. Yeah, there's a clear addiction almost to it and society's designed around it. Yeah. Like what's the conundrum there where I hear, you know, rumblings about using Canadian oil and we import still oil and things like that. What's what are your thoughts and the realities around that, I guess? Well, I think with globalization in order to be able to trade, we have to get rid of some of oil and trade it across and create cash flow for ourselves. Globalization caused us to be able to bring other oil in because we can't just rely on our own. So we need to create, become more of a Canadian-centric mm-hmm. country. I wouldn't say pull everything back, but we need to produce the oil to sell and maybe take the place of the oil we import 
I don't know, I, I'm, I'm not an oil trader, so I couldn't tell you 100% how it works, but we're seeing it with Russia now. Mm-hmm. Don't import royal, Russian oil, people are still doing it. Don't import Saudi oil, people are still doing it. It's, it's world trade, it's almost impossible to get away from. Um, the problem is when you import stuff, people can cut you off. So yeah. we're seeing that now in Europe. I believe Finland may be cut off from their natural gas. Yeah. What do you do when you have that? And a lot of people don't produce the oil. So is it more ethical if Canada supplies their oil or Russia? I, I don't know. I'm not going to get into the political debate. But if you're dealing with someone that can cut off your knees and quit the source, it could be a bad thing for your country. So why has it got there? Why are we not sourcing as much Canadian product as we should do? Well, our government's been very detrimental to our drilling. Um, they've been very hurtful on our industry for some reason. Mm-hmm. Again, political, won't get into that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, imposing C69 to basically stop pipelines, which was just amended now. It's, it's a push on Western Canada, it seems, to really beat us up and hurt our own economy. Um, which to me just makes no sense. Mm-hmm. We push a lot of money around the country. We're the have province. So without the oil and gas, I just, I just don't see it. Mm-hmm. We export most of this product. <laughs> what will that do to our country? Yeah. It's quite, it just seems strange. To it's me. very strange, but it's a, <laughs> it's a political game. Yeah, which we won't get into. Exactly. This isn't a political show. So. Thank God. <laughs> so Trend and Bit Services Canadian. Yes. I believe. <laughs> Wholly owned Canadian company. Bits are designed, built here, and we service the Canadian industry. So obviously the supply chains are screwed at the moment. <laughs> uh, let's say disrupted globally. Um, but what are your thoughts on you know companies sourcing drill bits from within Canada? Because I imagine the US supply is still quite heavy probably to this region. I don't know. What's it like? We're hearing rumblings already about not being able to get certain products. Drill bits are one of them, of course. Mm -hmm. We're hearing a lot about casing issues, uh, getting the product. So that's going to be our biggest problem. If we keep at a fast pace, can we keep up to it product-wise? And right now it sounds like people are seeing the dip. So it's helping businesses like ourselves who are smaller businesses who can supply all the products. We're getting more involved with customers. Customers are calling us, giving us a chance. So it's really good for business, I believe. And it's good for all business because it gives everybody the opportunity to work with people. And what's it feel like to you know, be a Canadian brand? Because a lot of people outsource their work and stuff nowadays. Like, how's that make you feel as a president? I really like it. I'm very Canadian. We should be far more nationalistic, I believe. I'd like to be able to provide more of our Canadian product to the market but we're dominated mostly by large service companies that are American, European. So to keep up with them is hard. The marketing is very difficult um, and it's just cash flow wise is difficult. So if we can get Canada on board, which we're doing right now in our branding and getting people more aware, I think it's really going to turn people's heads that, yeah, there are Canadian companies that can do it. And there are presently. Mm. And what's the advantage there for someone that operates and runs Canadian? Is there What's the difference? Is it service generally that they benefit from? I Well, our service has always been impeccable. That's what we rely on. Mm-hmm. But you're feeding our own economy. We're creating the money and we're keeping it in Canada. We're providing it to our own country. So not only is it jobs we provide, all that tax dollars come back. We repair bits here. We keep it Canadian. So just stepping back to the drill bits and chain and stuff, like the drill bit is the first thing that goes in the ground. Yeah. So it's obviously quite important. <laughs> 
But like, how how does it fit into the rest of the chain? And can you describe, you know, drilling just briefly, like what the process is like? Well, the drill bit, of course, on the bottom of the string. And then just to make it simple, you usually have a motor that runs through forced fluid turns, gives you the turn at the bit. So you're not turning the whole drill string from the top. You're also doing that. It's creating more turn for the bit. Mm -hmm. um, you can get faster turn. You can torque the bit a bit more. So you're getting more advantageous bit parameters downhole. Mm -hmm. Faster drilling, less time mm -hmm. drilling the well. But after that, it's a bottom hole assembly. So after that, various types of tools that go on logging, determining where you are, different types of subs, jars to move it around, reamers. It's, a, it's quite a process of tools on the bottom of that drill string to keep that bit going the right way. Mm -hmm. But without the bit, yes, you really aren't going to drill your well. Because without all that technology, you don't really know what the hell's going on down there. Because you could just be like, before all that stuff, it must have been a nightmare. It must have been like, hope the drill bit's still there doing what it's supposed to be doing. Well, I, I think I've watched a few movies of the past. And yeah, I mean, think of it. Back in the day, they were dropping a stone down on a piece of wood and taking, I don't even know how many days, months. I mean, when I started in this industry, even with drill bits, I remember wells taking months and we've dropped them down to, you know, 16 days. So right. the optimization has become massive. It's helped with costs. Mm -hmm. We're cutting out a lot of those lost days. So margins are increasing. They're able to drill more wells. It's it's become so so optimized now that Every part of the tool, including the drill bit, has to be the right part, mm -hmm. or it can just detriment the whole timing of the well and take considerable amounts of money in excess to drill that well. And how far do you typically drill? Like, what's an average? Drilling is all over. Like, you can drill as shallow as a couple hundred meters to, I think our longest well is almost 8,000. Wow. And that's straight down? Like it's down about 3,000 meters, I would say, and then out the rest okay. horizontally. So yeah, we're getting farther and farther horizontally mm -hmm. out. So why would you like drill down and then across? Like what's the advantage or reason for that? The, you're basically drilling straight into the re reservoir of the oil. So you're drilling through it, if you think, and before you're drilling into it. So mm -hmm. production now, when you frack the wells, you're getting production into a long tube mm -hmm. and you're being able to pull all that out. So your production's in a longer amount instead of trying to get it out of one hole going vertically. Right, okay, so it kind of comes out the side instead. Yeah, well, it, yeah, it'll go into it horizontally, but you're in the middle of the formation now try, trying to poke through it. Right, okay. Okay, it's like poking a bag in, uh, poking a bag of water. Exactly. Right, okay. So we talked a lot about bits and drill bits and stuff. I just want to talk a little bit more personally around sure. you as a business person. Like, like, how do you manage like work-life balance? What What's that for you? Is that challenging as a president? It's very challenging. Um, for a long time, it was, yeah, it was just work, work, work. Uh, had a young family. It was very difficult. Wanted to be more involved with them. And now it's become more of a work-family balance where you got to understand that work is work. You have your priorities as your family, but you gotta get got to get your work done. So it just depends. Um, having people to help you is most important. Having a team and having the right members of that team will really help be, create the balance. So I mention it to all the people here. Family's number one. Work always can take place when it has to take place. Of course, we have to make money. We have to keep the company solvent. Mm -hmm. But without your family, what do you really have? You're not happy at work. You're not happy anywhere. 
It's got to be number one. And where did you learn the importance of communicating that to the team and making that a priority? I think I learned it through all the faults I made along the way. <laughs> um, I didn't come from a perfect, I guess, television family. So yeah. um, when I met my wife, her family was very close. I took on a lot of that through her family and learned the lessons of what you do and don't, I guess, along the way. Mm-hmm. Met the right people, um, surrounded myself with the right people, and you just fall into that same place with those type of people. No, it's interesting. It's it's tough. It's what a lot of business owners struggle with, and it's quite refreshing to hear you kind of say that to your staff. Like, what is that received well? Does it actually happen? It has, actually. A good example of it this morning is... Um, one of the salesmen here, <clears throat> excuse me, had to take his son to the children's hospital, something wrong with his hand. Mm-hmm. And I, I've texted him many times at work, can, you can find work later, just make sure your meetings are rearranged and your clients know what's going on. But if it takes all day, it takes all day. You'll never get that type of thing back. And it'll be passed on through generations. So someone's asking your advice, you know, Mike, <laughs> uh, what career slash you know, working life to choose, what would you kind of say to them? Like, are you, like, big advocate of oil and gas drilling? Like, what, what has your experience been in general? And what has been, like, the good things and the bad things about being in the industry, I guess? Uh, the bad things are definitely the ups and downs mm-hmm. and uh, the consistency of it all. It's very hard on your health. It's very hard on your mind. It's very stressful. Family. Um, it's the province we live in, though. I... I joined it from not knowing anything, and I just, I really like how interesting it is, the dynamics, how it changes. There's something to learn about every day. It's not a static environment. The people change, the type of projects change. It's, it's if I had to do the same thing every day, which I did in past life, it's, it gets tiresome and tedious. So it's the variety that you kind of like about yeah. it as well. Yeah. So it's the double-edged sword, I guess. Yeah, getting out, meeting people, being able to get out of the office, that type of thing. Yeah. And you tend to be like, obviously, the pandemic's been quite hard for you probably because you, you, know, you like that side of things. Like, what, what has that been like getting back to normal, like people keep saying? I hope this is normal or it's more normal. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was difficult. Um, nobody knew it was going to happen. Our industry was decimated during those times. We watched oil fall to next to nothing, go negative as we spoke about. Mm. Um, Nobody knew about jobs, everyone was cutting jobs, no one knew who was gonna stay. Solvency of company was always front of mind. Are we able to operate? Revenue's not coming in like it used to and you don't know what the future's gonna bring revenue-wise. So planning was more than difficult. So yeah, it it was a hold on, cross your fingers type of attitude. And that was, I'm gonna guess that was from billion dollar companies down. Mm -hmm. Hold on to your cash and Keep it as long as you can. It's crazy. Yeah, it was. It's rough times, really. When you go back and think about it, it was... Rough because we had to go through five years of it almost before. Yeah, you'd already kind of had it, and no one really... I don't know. It was People kind of knew, but... Yeah. Because it had been so good, like, you know, 2014 was yeah. the last time it was great. Yeah. When the oil prices were, you know, way up there. But yeah. then everyone's like, oh, the pandemic. It's like, well... Kind of been living in this already. Yeah, Calgary especially, like very much. Employment, so. you know, gone. Unemployment had gone up. And yeah, I re- I refer to it still as the, I guess the knockout punch. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We always thought these these ebbs and flows go through four or five years. We were yeah. getting to the end of it, and then all of a sudden, two years of what seemed like the blip. 
it was just unbelievable. It was like, how can this get any worse? And it just did. You've worked in this industry for a while now. How, how has it changed in the way you, you don't have to give away secrets, but in the way you are perceived by clients, how you reach out to clients? Has it changed with the digital age? Any, like, how, how do you feel, or is there some consistencies that stick around? I think just getting older, walking away from the pleading and begging, understanding the products more, being more confident in the product. It's tough when you start, you don't really know what's going on, and it was fast and furious. Uh, Drill bits, drilling service companies were, couldn't even keep products in their yard. They were running at 150%. Ebbs and flows come. You have to find out who your customers are. And you have to be truthful to your customer and you have to let them, get them to understand how you can help them and what you can do to help them. So I think that was the biggest change is being confident in our products and understanding that we are as good as everyone else and we can do what others do. And then getting that perception out mm-hmm into the street. So drilling for Trendon must have changed quite a lot over the years, like through research and changing the bits. And like, how, how has the drilling format changed for you? I think it's changed the most. Um, I started, it was more of a, let's call it a gas province. We drilled a lot of natural gas. Uh, we didn't drill as much oil. The percentages of what companies drilled were gas-based. And I would say more shallow, not as deep as they are now. Maybe not as many horizontal, but more deviated or directional type wells. I think what we've come to now are very deep, very long lateral wells, multi-legs per well. Mm -hmm. So you've got one well with many legs or arms off of it, I guess you could call it, Um, like an octopus, better production. We're getting, as I said, 8,000 meters. We're doing that type of thing and horizontals have really taken over the market because you can get into the zone and get better production that way. So verticals have stepped away. Everything is going to the depth now and then going out, and we're seeming to push that out to as far as it can go. So has the design of the drill bit changed for that reason, or has it been pretty similar? It's similar. It's small changes. When we changed the drill bit, um, it may have worked horizontally. We don't know. And again, we really don't know until the bit's used. Um, but there hasn't been extreme changes to the drill bit, I would say. Mm-hmm. There's smaller changes, there's lots of optimization, and there is lots of R&D, but the general look of the PDC, I believe, is pretty close to when it originally came out. Right, interesting. Yeah. And when, when was that kind of change, the 80s? In the 80s, yeah, that's when it made its change. Um, someone brought one out, someone got one going, they saw the difference in speed, mm-hmm. the rate of penetration, and that was the determiner and the type of drilling it does, the shearing instead of the rock destruction. So that tricone bit is just force, 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 smash the rock. And as I said, this is the shaving one. So just a different type of mechanism. Right, okay. Uh, so how has Trendon changed over the years? Is it, has it changed a lot? Uh, is it kind of different client focus, different types? It's, it's a lot. We've seen clients come and go, of course. We've seen lots of mergers and acquisitions, specifically the last couple of years here. Um, we're dealing with more Canadian companies, which mm-hmm. is good. We're seeing a lot of more um, nationalization mm-hmm. of Alberta, I guess, provincialization. Um, but yeah, it's it, the clients are ever changing the type of wells. We're expanding more into the deeper, long-reach horizontals. We're getting more out into the heavy oil. We're getting more into the different plays and areas, mm-hmm. so that we can be there as a optimum product and a competitor 
for our, I guess, super majors or our biggest competitors. And do you collaborate with other companies to make things successful? How much is it an independent product design? Like, do you work with other, like, teams on, on the, like, how's the setup? We, it's usually company specific. Mm-hmm. We do our own designs. We do our own engineering. We decide what we want to do based on what information we get and how we input it and what we get out as a result. Um, our competitors would be the same way. You're you're working with people that bring the cutters or make the cutters. That would be where you would see a collaboration. But the base or the body of the drill bit design is your intellectual property. It's what you do and mm-hmm. how you decide what you are going to build for the type of drilling it needs to do. Okay. And then everything around the bit, do you, do you collaborate with other companies that supply rest of the, is it bottom hole assembly? No, we, uh, we don't specifically... We're, we're, basic, we're very much basically drill bits and tools. Mm-hmm. So we're very niche market, I would say. What we're breaking out to is more of uphole tools behind the drill bit. Mm-hmm. So we're the reamers, the shock subs, that type of thing. We're trying to branch out that way. But it's still part of the assembly. It's still part of the drilling, but we're not into motors or anything like that. Okay. Um, and then when drilling actually happens, there must be a few different companies that are involved in the actual process. Do you generally just sell the product to the person that's going to do the drilling? And then, like, what's that like after the fact? You've Well, we, we rent it. We don't sell it generally. Okay. So it's a rental basis. Yeah. So it's a reoccurring revenue model, which is good because if we keep it looking good and it works properly, mm-hmm. we get reoccurring revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, a sale is a one time. We don't know what's going to happen. Sure. And we can't control our product, our IP. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's based on repairs how the bit's put in the ground. So we always want to have our best foot forward. Mm-hmm. We don't want to provide a dog or a bad product because that directly reflects on post runs, next runs, possible work with the customer. So it always is the quality that's first and foremost and made for the job. And that, I know you said it's beneficial for you, but surely it's better for the client as well. 100% it is, yes. They, they need it as much as we need it. Mm-hmm. They're hoping we can collaborate with them. It's more a service you provide, like you say. Trend yeah. bit service, I guess. Exactly. I just got it. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So what's kind of next for Trendon? Like, do you have any plans? Like- to, to keep growing it, I think that's what we want to do, get out to the market, have people understand and know our brand and understand what our company is. Mm-hmm. There was a little bit of misconception in the past about what we did and what we could do. So the branding is very important, the marketing of the company and getting people to know us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot of our own marketing and our own getting out there and our own hustle. Mm-hmm. But I think with the branding we started about a year ago, I think we're starting to see the results directly. People are understanding, people are asking us questions, people know more of what we do mm-hmm. and the products we have. So is the more of a push to provide like more tools, like you say, probably as well? Yeah, if we, if we can do that type of thing, if we can provide more products, that's great. But the drill bit's always been our focus. That's the type of work we want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very proprietary. If it works, it, it works well. Um, and it is, it's the basis of all drilling. It's, yeah. it's very interesting to have that tool on the bottom and know that you get as blamed as much as you get patted on the back for it, but mm-hmm. without it, you're not drilling. I guess there's a lot of stress and pressure from being <laughs> the first person down the hole, I guess. <laughs> Oh, lots of stress and pressure throughout the years, yeah. Not grey-haired yet, but I'm sure it'll pop out soon. <laughs> yeah, mine popped out. <laughs> Way too early. That's well, been great to chat to you, Mike. Perfect. And, uh, yeah, hope everything goes well for you, and uh, thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Dan, really appreciate it.